Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is great to see you today. Would you look at somebody sitting nearby and just give them a big smile? Tell them you're glad to see them on the first day of May. Tell somebody else, I cannot believe it's already May. We are so glad for all of you that are here on campus. We're looking forward to what God has in store for us today. Those joining us on Facebook Live, uh, on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad that you've chosen to have uh, or to make us part of your day today. We know that the service will be a blessing to you. Before we uh, move forward into our worship service today, let me just remind you of a couple things. The Move the Mission Cake Auction is after altar service today. Amen. Now, look, I went over there earlier, and there is a lot of good things to be had. And so we want, after the altar service, after we're done today here praying and, and the service is concluded, we want you to go over next door. We're going to spend a little while auctioning off all of those wonderful baked goods. And as you know, all of those proceeds go to missions, move the mission. And then if you are graduating high school or college, please contact the church office. We would like to honor you during this season and then also don't forget that this coming Tuesday night at 7:30 is first Tuesday prayer right here in the sanctuary we want everybody to come and help us pray and then next Sunday is Mother's Day absolutely that's right that's right some some of the mothers are thinking every day should be Mother's Day I know and I agree with you that's exactly right but next Sunday we're gonna celebrate Mother's Day together amen why don't you stand with me this morning, we're going to worship the Lord. Did you come to worship the Lord? I did. I did. Like the old song says, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Amen. Clap your hands to Jesus, and let's see what God has for us today.
over the house today, shall we, everybody? Let's lift up Jesus. He's worthy of our praise. Is he not? Is he worthy? Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. How many of you believe today that when God says something, that settles it? It's, it's done. It behooves us to believe it when God says it. I've lived through enough of my own personal situations where God said, and it came to pass, I am persuaded that God fails not. Thank the Lord. He does not fail. Uh, it behooves us to believe in Jesus today. There's a wonderful, very excited, very passionate spirit of the Lord here today. You're manifesting it, and I thank God for that. Let's give the Lord some more praise and appreciation today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You may be seated for a moment along with Brother Dave. We welcome everybody. Thank you so very much for being here today and uh, to come to fellowship with one another but even more than that to fellowship with the presence of the Lord I've not come today to be a spectator but a participator I want to be involved in whatever it is God wants to do here today I want to be involved in it and I'm sure you feel the same way I have a couple of things to share with you here today first of all have an amazing an amazing uh, victory report to share with you today and uh, I almost feel like I'm kind of gloating a little bit I, I just I'm, I'm thankful for the Lord and uh, is it okay to say that I'm just I'm proud of God sometimes I'm proud of God all the time but he just does things sometimes it just makes you even more special especially thankful that you know him this is one of those cases uh, a number of weeks ago our sweet Kelly Adams Kelly, if you'll wave your hand, there's folks here who don't know you sitting right back there, was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I know that treatment and all of that has come such a long ways, but we still have a, quite a bit of fear of what we call this, the C word. And um, uh, she took a very interesting path, I believe very Holy Ghost led, but she had her Sunday school class pray for her when she received that diagnosis and um, it was it's documented it's in her medical record she was diagnosed they did scans and various things and documented and proved that yes she had cancer had her Sunday school class pray for her and uh, this week as much of testing as they can do went through a battery of testing and whatnot uh, she called me yesterday just ecstatic over the phone uh, they can find nothing. There is nothing. Uh, nothing. I thank the Lord for that. God did that. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, all the doctors did, you may be seated, thank you, was tested and diagnosed. No treatment, nothing. Did blood work, everything. And uh, it's all gone. What can you say? 
How many else is kind of proud of God here today, if we could say it in, in that way? I, I think your response. And uh, we're rejoicing with Kelly and uh, certainly so excited, so excited. The timing of this was impeccable for her and her family. I thank God for him healing her for herself, for her family, for her kids, for Jonathan. Just been a, what a testimony. What a incredible testimony. Reminds me of the blind man in the New Testament when he told the Pharisees, I was blind, but now I can see. There's just no other explanation than the fact that God did it. I want somebody here today to hear that. This is medically documented. Uh, I want somebody here today to hear that and let it challenge your faith. Let it challenge your belief system. Let it challenge who you are as a person. That God is a phenomenal healer. Uh, Claudia Brown just experienced a phenomenal, phenomenal miracle. And uh, I believe that miracles has arrived again, Brother Billy, at Grace Church. And I'm excited about that. Thank the Lord. Sister, Brother and Sister Gums was here last Sunday, as you know. And uh, some of you may have seen her dancing right over here. And uh, personally, the music, the spirit of the service, I, it didn't seem to be commensurate with me personally, and that's pastor's point of view about things sometimes, but hey, if she wanted to dance in the Holy Ghost, have at it. But it just didn't seem to be that way with everyone else. I don't know how else to say this and be very, very kind. She told us after church that while the praise team was singing, she looked around the building and there was angels lined all the way around the building uh, singing and dancing and heard a little voice in her ear that says, why aren't you dancing too? So that's when she started dancing. I would never interfere with that. I would never be in conflict with that. The presence of the Lord is here today. Amen. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing, experienced some amazing things last Sunday, uh, not just with our children, but with our some of our adult people. Uh, God spoke to some people here last Sunday directly. Uh, through brother and sister gums it was phenomenal phenomenal service and so today we want to rejoice is brother Aiden Spears here today is he in the house today I can't see too good if somebody can help me there he comes come on up here buddy had to call him brother Aiden Spears that's right brother Aiden Spears this is a handsome guy isn't it that sure is he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost last Sunday. That's why the angels were dancing. That's right. And we're excited about that. Praise the Lord. I don't care what people say. God is still pouring out the Holy Ghost. And it's manifest in our children, adults, whoever, whosoever will come and drink and let the Lord have his way. Thank the Lord. And uh, we have a certificate for you, Brother Aiden. It says documents that you received the Holy Ghost on Sunday, April the 24th here at Grace Church. So this is something that you never forget. So you can give this to your mama and she will uh, take care of that for you. Uh, some more good news is uh, Aiden and I think Brother Tucker is to be baptized next Sunday on Mother's Day. What an amazing Mother's Day gift. Isn't that awesome? Thank the Lord. Let's give it up for Aiden. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Why don't everybody stand this morning? So excited that you're here. And uh, man, I'm loving what I'm feeling here today. I feel the manifest presence of the Lord here today. And uh, it's amazing to, to always, it's always amazing uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. Thank the Lord. So glad all of you are here. And uh, I want to encourage you right now to uh, open your heart and mind to the word of the Lord. I mentioned Wednesday night that I wanted to go in a certain direction here uh, this morning. It seemed like Friday morning, all that changed. And uh, we do our best to follow Jesus. And uh, so I believe God wants to talk to some folks here today. And I'm going to ask you to be very open, very receptive to the, to the spirit of the Lord and certainly to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 36. Matthew 13, verse 36. The Bible said, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. The tare is a plant, a weed, that grows up with wheat, but looks identical to wheat. And... uh, you can hardly tell the difference, but it doesn't bear any fruit. And uh, it can destroy, would, would destroy a wheat field for them back in those days. And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. That would be the tares. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. And they shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I believe the reference here is hell. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun and the kingdom of their father who who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and sells all that he hath. And buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. I want to talk to you for a little while from the bottom of my heart. The treasure and the field. The treasure and the field. Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you for standing your patience. God bless you and you may be seated. Don't quit worshiping. Don't lose this feeling of excitement and don't let it be because there's a cake auction when we're done here. Let it be because it's the presence of the Lord that's in the house today. Amen. An article from the North Texas Daily, the official student newspaper of the University of North Texas. The headline was published on April the 15th, 2005, and it states, Finding Treasure in our dumpsters was the headline 
college students dumpster dive looking for furniture and food in our trash for fun and out of necessity is what the article began to read. If one happens to walk past a dumpster behind a Denton, Texas business or apartment complex and notices someone rumbling through the trash, it's quite natural to assume that it's a homeless person. But as it turns out, the article said, more and more college students, or as some point out, middle-class kids, are searching for buried treasure beneath the refuse other people leave behind. Dumpster diving, the article went on to say, is a regular practice for a, hand, a handful of North Texas college students. Whether their goal is filling their empty stomachs or to find a rug that ties their rooms together. One student said a great thing about dumpster diving is that if you want to wait long enough, you'll find it. This student, along with other avid dumpster divers, learned of the hobby through word of mouth and were encouraged by early successes, they said. And after finding 30 obscure computer games, two uh, University of Texas students said they were hooked on this particular and peculiar pastime. One said that was a spark that lit the fire, you could say. We found at least seven computers. We found couches, televisions, luggage. They said it is amazing at what people throw away. These two friends have stumbled on items ranging from useful to bizarre. One said, I found someone's entire life story in a dumpster. There were clippings of hair, an email account, diaries, even a social security number. Luckily, the student said, we were men of morals and didn't do anything inappropriate with that social security number. While these students represent those who dive mostly for fun, others who have done it have done it out of necessity. Another student said, I'm not a pure minimalist. It's just that I'm forced to do it sometimes. I hate being broke because I look at the world differently. I'll always be looking for ways to get the things I need for free. The most common things that dumpster divers cited finding were furniture, baked goods, clothing, other practical items. Here's a list of the most interesting things that came out of dumpster diving. The best golf clubs worth about $100 a piece. Computer hard drives, monitors, speakers, and other accessories. One student said, I found over 30 bottles of ocean spray. I haven't bought juice in two months. Televisions and expensive couches were common answers. The article, the writer said, I've been amazed as to how far people will dive underwater looking for the treasures of a sunken ship or how days people will dig in the earth under a scorching sun looking for the treasure of a lost city. Most people will scavenge just about anywhere under any circumstances if they think there is something of value that is to be found, with only a few exceptions. There are a long list of men and women in the Bible who is willing to make whatever sacrifice necessary to find treasure. Unfortunately for some of these people, they traded 
the valuable, they traded the valuable for the invaluable. Adam and Eve traded paradise for sin. Cain traded jealousy for his relationship with his brother. Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of soup. Samson traded his God-given gifting for a sinner woman. David traded morality for adultery. Solomon traded the law of Moses for idolatry. Judas traded 30 pieces of silver for Jesus. Demas traded Jesus for the love of the world. The Bible has such things to say in response to that like, buy the truth and sell it not. The Bible says in another place, what would a man prosper if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? The Bible said in one place to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. If you'll listen to pastor right now, we must never forget, we must never forget the eternal value of our salvation and our relationship with God. There is nothing in this world worth trading your salvation, your ticket to heaven, if you will. There's nothing in this world worth that. The only thing we can exchange for our soul is Jesus and heaven. That's it. So Jesus tells a parable of a man plowing a field and finds a treasure. He then sells everything he has and buys the field. Someone pointed out one time, it's amazing that he owned just enough to purchase that field. His possessions equal the value of that field. The value of all of his possessions was equal to the price of that field. I want to submit to you today that all of us have the sum total, all of us and the sum total of who we are, whether you feel like you're great or small, the sum total of all that you have and all that you are is always enough to inherit the great and amazing things of God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. When you read this parable that Jesus told, have you ever wondered how big that field was? The man said he was plowing it. It could have been 20 acres, or it could have been a small piece of property 10 foot by 10 foot. Have you ever thought about the condition that field was in? Or what part of town that field was located in? Have you ever considered who the neighbors were, what they were like on each side of that field? When you read the parable, do you ever wonder what came with the field? Part of that field could have been the neighborhood garbage dump. It could have had an old house on it that was falling down or an old barn that was not worth saving. It could have been full of rocks and boulders or 
had old broken down equipment on it. It could have had poisonous plants or even wild animals on that field. It could have had its share of pests that made it difficult to plow or to grow anything on. I'm quite sure that that the point Jesus was trying to make was that it was the treasure that made the field valuable and that the field made no contribution whatsoever to the value of the treasure. I believe what Jesus was saying was simply this. If you want the treasure, you will be willing to buy the field no matter what the field is like. It doesn't matter what's on the field. It doesn't matter what people have dumped on the field. It doesn't matter what's growing on the field. If you want the treasure that's in that field, you will do anything, whatever it takes, to buy that field. The reason is because the treasure in that field is worth having. The treasure in that field is worth selling everything you own in order to buy it. The treasure is worth any price to have. Jesus did not say in this parable that the treasure would be easy to dig up. He did not say it would be buried very shallow. He did not say you would be provided with equipment that would make digging up that treasure a whole lot easier. He did not promise that your friends and family would help you either. But he did say that included with the treasure would be a field. He did say that included with that treasure would be a field and didn't say anything about the condition of the field or how difficult it would be to get the treasure out of it. When you consider the things of value in this life, you must know by now that every treasure in this life always comes with a field. Your spouse came with a field. I know when you first met him or her, all you could see was a treasure. I want to assure Heather here today, Heather Tear about to be married in June, that um, all she's seeing right now is treasure. But there's a field along around this thing too when it comes to Daniel. Amen. You, You will be informed of that in some length of time to come, I can assure you. I'm just teasing. Hope she's good with that. But when you're engaged and about to be married, all you can see is a treasure. But it probably didn't take but a few months for all the rest of us who are married to realize that your spouse came with a field. And you may say, but I didn't want the field. I only wanted the treasure. It doesn't matter. Treasure always comes with a field. And having kids, as great a treasure 
as they are, you soon realize that even your kids come with a field. There is a child that attends this church right now virtually every service that his grandmother prophesied that he will one day wear orange clothing. Y'all didn't get that. Possibility it could be black and white stripes. And I'm not talking about a referee. Every treasure comes with a field. One of the greatest things of value in your life today comes with the most difficult field. The field I'm talking about right now was purchased with something besides money. This field has been the most misunderstood, the most questioned, the most doubted, and certainly the most forsaken. The field I'm talking about this morning has been the blame for bitterness. The field I'm talking about this morning has been the blame for bitterness, envy, jealousy, shattered dreams, disillusionment, heartache, failure, mistrust, mistrust, and the list goes on and on. The field I'm talking about today has been blamed for failed marriages and lost kids and even lost spouses. So many have never found the treasure because they could never get past the field. The field I'm talking about right now is some can't get past the doctrine. Others can't get past having to give up some degree of worldliness. Some can't give up sin. Some can't give up habits. And a lot can't give up, can't submit to holiness. The field I'm referring to is the church. But through the years, I have cut through the weeds, the rocks, and the boulders. I have sifted through the garbage that others have dumped on it. I have worked through the old broken down machinery of the past. I have found an invaluable and irreplaceable treasure in the church. Yes, the church comes with a field. But the church has been my soul-saving place. It's been my strength. It's been my encouragement. It's been my shelter. It's been the source of my inspiration. The church has given me hope. It's given me blessing. And it's given me promise. The church has gotten me through hard times, trying times, difficult times, and times when I wanted to quit. The church has been with me through sick times, hospital times, and even death. It is a pearl of great price. And I wouldn't take anything for the church. Everybody has a field. Every spouse has a field. Every child comes with a field. And every church comes with a field. I want to say in passing, I am amazed, I am amazed at the families that even attend Grace Church, at the things this church has provided, the things that God has provided for you and your family via this church, the miracles 
the signs, the wonders, the healings, the encouragement, the inspiration, all of these things. And now all of a sudden, the church seemingly has no more value. Or shall I say the value that it should have, it no longer has. Everything, everyone outside of Christ himself has a field. I plow the fields of the church members pretty much on a daily basis. From time to time I hear the gossip. I see the laziness and the disinterest. I witness the lack of commitment. I feel the effects of carnality and help people deal with the consequences of sin. To some level, I tolerate judgmentalism, doubt, worldliness, and that constant question of why. But through it all, but through it all, I still see in the church a treasure that is worth purchasing, knowing that it comes with a field. I want to tell our young people here today with everything in me. I've been where you are. I've sat right where you sit. Not in this building, but I used to sit on the front row. Me and two or three of my friends would fight over the spot that Owen Cooper's sitting in right now. Whoever got there first got that seat. We felt like it was the closest to the pulpit. We wanted to be right there. All the fellas sit over here just like y'all do. All the girls sit over here just like y'all do. But I had a unique opportunity that I seized. I was uh, very attracted uh, to my beautiful wife. And it just so happened that I played a horn in the orchestra back in those days. And the orchestra sat right over there in chairs, old metal chairs. And we would play and we'd move the chairs against the wall and then go up and sing in the choir. And when we come down out of the choir, all the good seats up around the front were taken. So we had no other choice but to sit in the chairs up against the wall. And I could sit over there against the wall and I could see the pastor preaching and I could also see Sister Murphy sitting right over there somewhere. So just, just a little eye movement. I could go from spiritual to carnal, spiritual. It's amazing how quickly I learned to be instant in season, out of season back in those days. Gee, it is good preaching. But y'all are not going to do it. We're not going to do the orchestra and we're not putting chairs over there just telling all of you that right now. So... And I hear stories about this one liking that one. I'm not going to facilitate your carnal desires along that line. <clears throat> now I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I remember when my dad passed away. I've told people this for years. I would not have made it spiritually. I don't believe I would have made it emotionally had it not been for the church. When Sister Murphy and I decided to start a family, I was so thankful to have a church. It had its problems. And I say in all due respect, it was the era that we grew up in. It was that time frame that we grew up in. There's people here my age who will understand what I'm about to say, but it was, seemed to be a very judgmental time. We didn't know any different. We didn't know any better back in those days, and somehow we survived it, and a lot of other people did too. But I was thankful, even though it was perhaps a very judgmental environment, I was still thankful for our church. We witnessed hundreds of people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
We heard of healings all the time back in the 70s and even the early 80s before we left to go into ministry. Church was our life. We did church. It's just what we did. We're trying to create that culture here so badly. Every Friday night was at church for youth service. Every Saturday night was, was at church for youth choir practice. And every Sunday, every Saturday morning, we worked bus ministry. And Sunday morning, we taught a Sunday school class. And the youth choir sang on Sunday morning. And Sunday afternoon, we played ball. All the boys got together. We played ball, whatever was in season. Baseball, softball, base, uh, football, basketball, whatever it was. We played tennis, ping pong, volleyball, whatever it was. We did all of that on Sunday afternoon. Go go back to the house real quick, get changed up, take a shower, change, go to choir practice at 5.30. Church started at 6.30. After church was over, we'd all go to McDonald's or what used to be Danvers on Florida Boulevard and eat an amazing roast beef sandwich and fellowship. We were always, everything our lives did revolved around the church. It had a feel. Yes, it did. It had a feel. I grew up in a church that had a lot of prejudice in it. Yes, I did. Had a lot of prejudice in it. It, 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 it had a, a lot of hypocrisy in it. Yes, it did. Back in those days, as long as you look good on the outside, you could be whatever on the inside. Just kind of how it was during that era of time. It, it, that's my perspective. Uh, but it, it had a field. It had a big field. It had many, many acres of field. But somewhere in that field, there was a treasure. And I found it. When you look beyond all of the things I just mentioned and you found yourself in a prayer room or in an all-night prayer meeting, I was 17, 18 years old during the time. I came to grips with what we believed and how we lived, and I'd established a relationship with God that hasn't moved since then. You hear what I'm saying? I learned that the church comes with a field. It's going to offend you. It's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to make you feel badly. It may even tempt you to become bitter, but you listen to pastor today. There's a treasure in this church that's worth digging for, that's worth looking for, that's worth searching for, that's worth finding, and to pay any price in order to have it. Bible teaches that God don't put more on you than you can bear. We always look at that as a trial. I like, I like to look at it as a lifestyle. God don't ask you to live in ways that you can't. We don't live sometimes the way God wants us to because we don't want to. It's because we're too focused on the field and other parts of town. And we miss the value of the treasure on the inside of the church is God himself. On the inside of the church is a relationship with God. I just testified on Kelly's behalf of her miracle. I mentioned Claudia Brown and there's scores of other miracles here today. There's kids sitting in this building today because of the miraculous power of God. There's parents here today that have kids because of the miraculous power of God. Does anybody hear what I'm preaching? There's a treasure. There's something of value. There's something of power. There's an anointing. There's a passion. There's a fire. And it's worth digging out if you'll sell out. If you'll sell everything you have for the treasure. If you and I could somehow realize that every one of life's treasures comes with a field, all of our relationships, including God, if we could realize that, 
it would be more satisfying and fulfilling. I have found with the church, notice the screen, I have found with the church that the value of the treasure is far greater than the burden and sacrifice of the field. God has never required of me more than I've been able to live up to. In all of my struggles, in all of my personality, in all of the emotional things I've been through in my life, when Marcus was in the hospital, 15, 16 years old, had an intestinal virus I couldn't find, and he was dying. He was curled up in the fetal position. I went home and begged God to let me trade places with him. He had all of his life ahead of him. And somehow another God came through, and he's still alive and doing very well today. If you could understand what you have access to, if you understand what you're privy to, if you could develop a love and a passion, Forget about the field. The field is only a vehicle. It's only a conduit through which you could get to the treasure. So I submit to you today that if every treasure has a field, then in the sight of God, every field has a treasure. I've tried to imagine through the years how difficult it must have been for God to buy our redemption. If he is a treasure so valuable and certainly worth giving up everything for, then what must he see in us? God is a treasure that comes with no field. And we are only, as humanity, a worthless, useless, undesirable, in the wrong part of town, if you will invaluable piece of the used up, spent, tired, broken, forgotten piece of the devil's real estate. Andre Crouch wrote a song when I was a teenager and I've never forgotten it. You don't hear it anymore. Words are very simple, but so profound. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad, so glad he did. Apparently, he sees a treasure in us that nobody else sees. That no one else could ever see. Apparently, as much as we see treasure in him, only through the eyes of God, he sees something in us that to him was worth dying for. You may feel like you're nothing. You may feel like you're spent and sin has had its way in your life and now you're worth nothing. You're, you may be here today stripped of family, you may be here today stripped of people believing in you and even trusting you. You may be here today somebody that feels kind of hopeless. You may feel like a used up, spent piece of the devil's real estate. Everybody's dumped their garbage and regurgitated all of their horribleness on you. But God don't see you that way. Somewhere in your field, 
of brokenness and despair, he sees a treasure that he was persuaded 2,000 years ago was worth saving. So I'm calling on everyone here today to buy into the church. I'm not stupid. I'm from this area. I'm of this area. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge. All of you know that. Grace Church isn't a perfect church. It has a feel of all kind of stuff in it. A lot of other, every church in this area has a feel. Everybody does. I've experienced and encountered more hurt, bitter people than I even dreamed existed. I knew there was a lot of backsliders, but I never knew the reason. Hurt, disillusioned, full of despair. I've heard them say, I'll never darken a church door again because of what happened to me. You listen to me. All kind of stuff happens at all kinds of churches everywhere, including this one. But none of that has ever diminished the value of the treasure that still exists. I'm asking you today to buy into the church. Not the church for social reasons. Not the church for help financially now and then. Not for those reasons. But because there's a treasure that resides here that's worth having a relationship it's worth taking home with you today. I told somebody on the phone yesterday, I was talking about a family that's had some pretty tough situations and they're not in church today. But I was happy to discuss that with this person on the phone, not in a malicious, gossipy way, but one that's a conversation that's full of hope and desire that these folks would come and find what they need in Jesus. But I was glad to say, I know from my own experience that this church, Grace Church, possesses a treasure that money can't buy, that influence can't buy, that clout can't buy. But what does buy it is whatever the sum total of you equals. That's what will buy it. But you have to be willing to give all of it. If you will. There's a peace here, there's a comfort, there's restoration, there's reconciliation, there's, there's hope, there's hope. I believe the kindness of Jesus is manifested here on a regular basis. The manifest presence of God is here every service. Yes, it is. Because too many people have walked in the door searching and looking for believe it was Dottie Rambo. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but I believe it was her that wrote a song years ago. Maybe it was Andre Crouch. I don't remember. But the words go like this as you stand with me this morning. The words go something like this. The potter saw a vessel. It was broken by the wind and the rain. And he sought with so much compassion make it over again. 
I was that vessel that no one thought was good. And I cried, Lord, you're the potter and I am the clay. Make me over again today. Then God picked up the pieces of my broken life that day. And he made me a new vessel and revived my soul again. The words the song say, my friend, if you're broken and scattered by the storms of life and you've looked in vain for the answers for all your turmoil and strife, just look to the Savior who will save your soul from sin and cry, Lord, you're the potter. I am the clay. Make me over again today. Then God will pick up all the pieces of your broken life and he'll make you a new vessel. I'm asking somebody here today to try the church one more time. There's somebody here, you've you've done your best. I know who you are. You've done your best to stay distracted. And maybe you've caught part of this. I hope enough of it that it makes sense to you. asking you to just buy in one more time. Try it one more time. Instead of this time looking at the field and analyzing what's in the field so much, why don't you dig for the treasure who is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You haven't heard what I've said. The sum total of who you are and what you have left of your life is all you need buy that treasure, to buy that field. So as our young Aiden came up here last Sunday, he bought into it. God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Tucker was up here last Sunday and almost was right there at the door. He said, I got a sip, but I want a big drink is what he said. Why don't you try that? Come as a child don't look so much as at the field as you are looking for the treasure. God can restore you. God can heal you. Several people here today that would be a wonderful thing if you'd make that choice. So as they begin to sing softly, I want to invite everybody to come. I invite everybody to come. I'd like to invite all of our guests, everybody. I'm not going to pressure you. Oh yes, oh yes, oh 
search much deeper within through the wavings of fear your love being into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Oh.